back to girls camp i'm your host Haley rawl and i've pretty much lost my voice <laughs> but i am with one of my best friends in the world jacqueline covey who is joining us today and maybe losing my voice will force me to shut up a little bit and listen to all the wisdom <laughs> that jackie has to share we are going to be talking about among other things mixed faith marriage dynamics Jackie was in a mixed faith marriage for a period of time, and she's going to talk all about that, answer the wonderful questions you all wrote in, and I'm super, super excited. She has much to share, <laughs> right? You ready? I hope I can live up to the reputation. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Having my name dropped a few times, I'm like I was... feeling the pressure to be wise. <laughs> I was actually going to tell you, I've literally mentioned you in every single episode, but I felt like I was getting so annoying being like that friend, Jacqueline. <laughs> so now I just call you like a friend Good instead friend. of the friend Jacqueline. <laughs> but I feel like people already know you. I'm absolutely and honored. are going to be thrilled. I feel very excited to share you with the Girls Camp community. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, so glad you're here. So to start us off, I would love if you could provide some context for us about your mixed faith marriage, kind of your faith journey and what that looked like specifically in relation to your mixed faith marriage with your partner. So both of us were raised LDS. We went to the same high school. So like I would see Zach in his temple gear after doing baptisms on like the morning of football games and stuff. So hot to you, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, so hot. <laughs> Zach went on a mission. I wrote him on his mission. We weren't like betrothed at that point, but mm. we got married in the temple and we're set up to have a typical Mormon life together. Yeah. How soon after Zach's mission did you get married? So he got home in August and we were married the next year in May. Okay. So fairly nice, quick. Nice and quick. Yeah. <laughs> As is typical. So it goes. <laughs> yeah. Everything was on track to be your typical Mormon marriage. One key difference between Zach and I, however, is I always felt like my faith journey was a little fraught in the church. Mm. However, definitely considered myself to be a true believer through and through, but I had a lot of space in my nuclear family to air doubts and grievances against the churches they came up. Something made me feel this way. That doesn't sit right with me. And there was space in my family to mm -hmm. have those conversations without feeling shame for them or like I had to act in some kind of way. So that is kind of my background when it comes to faith journey, I guess. I was an open struggle for a long time, but I never thought that it would result in my leaving the church. Yeah, so you're kind of carving out your own, you had your questions, your concerns, but you felt like you were gonna be a lifelong member. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was raised in an Orthodox Mormon family, but there was this space for those things. So it felt like progressive Mormonism, like I was in the promo stage for a really long time mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, well, I struggle with this, so that's okay. That doesn't mean I need to leave the church or get up in arms, but I need to be the change and stay to create the culture that I want to see within the church and to push against this doctrine that doesn't feel representative of like something that Jesus would say, for mm -hmm. example, I, mm -hmm. you know, um, but 
Zach was very stalwart, always, <laughs> like never <laughs> had any doubts or anything. So yeah, we were married for a few years when, when I started to struggle more frequently with church stuff, okay. where it was uh, more consistent and going to church would feel more triggering or something would sit, would sit wrong with me and I would bring it up more and more often mm-hmm. and it just felt like more the dissonance was growing yeah dissonance yeah. was growing it felt more pressing to speak about I felt like I never had a shelf mm. and so rather than like having an issue and placing it on a shelf where I could kind of like table it for a minute I mm. felt like I was constantly adding things to my arms interesting yeah like you know when you go to the grocery store and you're like I don't need a mm-hmm. I don't need a basket and you just like think you'll grab two things and, and then it's heavy really fast <laughs> It's heavy really fast and just like had a bunch of issues that I collected and things that felt hard for me and wrong for me. Yeah. Yeah. There got to be a point where I felt like I needed to leave mm. and step away. And Zach did not feel that way. And we consumed all the same material and had really different reactions to it. At around the same time were you consuming Yeah, the same at material? the same time. So my journey was longer in that I was in open struggle for a long time. Yeah. But like I wasn't in crisis, mm-hmm. but I was in open struggle, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like felt like I had space to talk about things, but wasn't like in a faith crisis until I started getting into just church history and felt like, oh, wow, I can, I can shuffle these issues. They feel more cultural. Yeah. In my arms around. Yeah. For a long time, I can endure to the end and be strong and a progressive Mormon to kind of write these things that I see as, as wrong. But it felt like I can handle these things so long as the church is true. Mm. Right? Like, yeah. so long as the church is true, I can work on these things. I can be the change. But as soon as truth claims shifted mm. and we're called into question, it's like, wow, why suffer? Yeah, through all totally. these other things that I'm suffering with, if if the very premise upon which I was suffering isn't reliable. Yeah, interesting. So that for me was the point where I decided that I wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of Zach's journey. Not like the end of mine, but like a very decisive point in my own journey. Yeah. And it kick-started Zach's. So we would read the same book, for example, like No Man Knows My History, mm-hmm. and I would be wrecked. <laughs> and Zach would be endeared. And like really intrigued and more astounded by Joseph Smith than ever before. Mm. And it's like, how do we reconcile that? Crazy. So what he was reading about the Joseph Smith history stuff, he was finding ways to incorporate it back into his believing Mm. framework. And for you, it was just like, this is insane. Yeah. It felt to me like proof to be out. And for him, it just didn't. It was really different. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So do you feel like before you decided to leave the church. Zach was also engaging with those like questions and concerns you were having, or was it when you said like, I've got to get out of here that he started to be more interested in that? I think before there wasn't like when I would bring up church was hard for me today Mm. or that felt sad to me or grappling with heavenly mother or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. He could see modeled in my family I'm gonna hear this out and it's not gonna go anywhere. Mm. <laughs> right? Because I had never imagined that I would leave the church. Mm. Right. So yeah, these are real feelings and I don't know what to do about that. I don't know what to say about that. At that point it was like, okay, I can't go to church anymore. Like I can't 
experience this anymore. I don't want to. Yeah. And so it shifted for him and was really shocking because that is not what Zach imagined for his temple marriage. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. So it really, really, really shook things up. How long from when you decided to leave the church were you in like a full-blown mixed faith marriage, would you say? Two years, like solid two years. However, it's not static, Mm. right? Your relationship evolves as you evolve, Mm. or it should. Yeah. Like you should have the space for that in an ideal world. Yeah. (laughs) So it was certainly mixed faith for two years, but there were different evolutions within that. Mm -hmm. And there was a period of, you know, about like eight months that was so perilous and dark and insanely difficult Mm -hmm. that transitioned into a period where you felt like you could exercise the tools that we had learned more Mm. to a period where we were actively using those tools and feeling like, oh, wow, we can do this. Cool. You know? Yeah. And then, you know, the last six months of that was we're doing this and this is what's happening. So there, there's different, there are different phases of it, but Mm -hmm. it was definitely makes faith the entire time. Yeah. 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 No, that's a really good point that you can be in various phases of a mixed faith marriage, a lot of different forms of mixed faith Mm -hmm. marriage. Can you tell me more about that initial really dark phase? What led to it feeling so dark, as you said? It's so existential because you marry in the temple with someone. It's like the foundation of your marriage is your commitment in the church and then to each other. Mm -hmm. Like it's not to each other than to the church. You know what I mean? Like triangle of like God is literally part of your marriage. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the very foundation of your marriage. So it feels existential. Just your expectations of life feel so completely set on different paths Mm -hmm. at that point where Mm -hmm. it's it's hard not to look into the future with the most dramatic outcomes that's like okay you're leaving the church here is uh what I think that would look like for you Mm. and you're gonna stay in the church here's what I think that's gonna look like for you Mm. and feeling like you're holding each other back from what they might really want can be an element too like Zach had said when we were early married, we're going to be mission president someday. Yeah. Right. So leaving the church is like, that's off the table. Yeah. You can't be a mission president if your wife has left the church. Yeah. That's a good point. So there's things like that, that, you know, you look 40 years ahead and are just catastrophizing about, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is valid because it's like the life that you have planned on having since you were little. Yeah. But also it's dark because as the person who's leaving, you feel really misunderstood and really Mm -hmm. misjudged. Mm -hmm. And I think people who experience a faith transition feel like it happened to them Mm -hmm. and they feel like they would do anything to stay and they would do anything to find the verification that it's all true and it's all good and they can reverse time and be blissfully happy and blissfully Mormon again. Mm -hmm. So it's dark because you are on such different pages and yet you still love each other. Yeah. Right. And you still have so much to be married for. Yeah. So it's hard to sift through how much 
value you assign to different things, mm-hmm. um, how far you should look into the future, if any of that is even relevant. Yeah. Beyond the week that you're living in, because things evolve so much, your feelings evolve, no feeling is permanent. And so you move through emotions rapidly and more slowly than you might think at different times. So there were different chapters or not chapters, but different, different little, it was like weather, right? Mm. (laughs) Where you'd have a really good day. Yeah. That's like, we can do this. I love you so much. I married you because I love you. Yeah. Not because you were Mormon and you can mutually like really come together. Yeah. And then something will happen like at church or you might realize that you know, well, what do I do? What do we do when we have kids? And then you can go down that spiral totally. and really feel like anticipatory devastation, yeah. even though it's not where you are right now. Yeah. You're projecting all your worst fears into the future yeah. about each other. That's interesting too, because I feel like the church, the doctrine of the church, the messaging of the church really doesn't help with that because no. it is very future oriented Mm -hmm. even to the ultimate future which is eternal salvation Mm -hmm. which is reliant in a big way on family Mm -hmm. and that brings up for me what you were touching on a little bit earlier how your faith transition away from the church in actually really real ways impacted Zach right you can't even be a bishop if you're can you be a bishop if you're no not that I mean maybe I've never heard of that I would like a mixed faith marriage. Really, really doubt that. Yeah, it would be really hard <laughs> if it even were possible. But you're not only experiencing something that is an individual personal thing, but it's actually really affecting maybe Zach's hopes and dreams mm-hmm. in relation to the church. Mm-hmm. And that feels tricky because you want to say, this is my thing, which you do obviously deserve mm-hmm. my own experience, but it's really impacting Zach's experience mm-hmm. because of the way the church is really set up on not only an individual's faithfulness, but the faithfulness of the family as a unit, Mm -hmm. which gets hard in a different way. Yeah. And Mormonism salvation is a group effort, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) You all go to the celestial kingdom together. Yeah. And if one of you is, quote, selfish and does your own thing and follows your own path or own authenticity, you get messaging that you are ruining eternal salvation for the whole family because mm. it's like a batch deal right or like how is that going to work if you're in the telestial kingdom and i'm in the celestial kingdom yeah and where like, are our kids gonna where be? do our kids go stuff yeah, like that gets totally. really hard and dark yeah totally i think that's one of the things uh, that is really complicated about the church and their focus on family is that it can be just such a wedge if there's not the sameness mm-hmm. of adhering to the church doctrine. Mm-hmm. And it just adds a whole nother element, I can imagine, of shame and guilt mm-hmm. that not only do you feel that personally, but you feel that on behalf of the family unit or the marriage unit. Yeah, that's really well put. Mm, that's mm-hmm. really hard. I'm going to start digging into these questions. I want to talk more about the phases that you went through when things like you talked about gaining tools and then applying those tools. And I want to get into all that. And I think some of these questions are going to get us there. The first question I want to ask you, someone said, I'm leaving the church. I only still go to church because I'm finishing my master's at BYU. LOL. (laughs) You're amazing. Hang in there. 
but my husband is still in. I feel like when I say something critical about the church, even if it's small, he shuts down or doesn't respond to it. But I need to express my feelings too. Thoughts. Mm, that's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this might not be this person's experience, but I find that having a faith transition can illuminate other issues in the marriage right? And not even in a marriage, it can illuminate things in friendships and relationships with parents and siblings. But I think it can kind of shine a spotlight on other gaps like communication or emotional availability. I think that's something that might be going on too. I think sometimes a faith transition can be a scapegoat for something feeling hard where I think it can often be breakdown in communication Mm-hmm. Right. Just that if you generally, yeah, that if yeah. you had a tool, maybe if your husband had a particular tool that made him feel like he could engage with you mm. and that he would feel safe in his position and mm. you could also feel safe in your position. Yeah. Maybe he would feel like he has the bandwidth to have that conversation. Yeah. But perhaps in the absence of a communication tool that he might not know he needs in order to engage with you, that feels impossible. And feels like, whoa, I cannot go there. And so he shuts down. Yeah. So I think that may be something to consider that way. Um, but I think all you can do is be authentic. Like if you're experiencing something, I think it's brave to share it with your spouse, even yeah. when it's not received with the kind of openness and tenderness that you hope it is Definitely. received with. What kind of tools do you feel like you were able to use in communication with Zach that maybe helped you know, mitigate some of this awkwardness or the emotional shutdown that Mm -hmm. can happen around such a triggering topic? So many tools to come to mind. One would be active listening. So when someone tells you something before you allow yourself to respond, repeating back to them what they said and asking them to confirm if that's right. Mm. So if you said church was hard for me today because of something that was said about the priesthood and it reminded me that I don't have the priesthood and made me feel sad about my place in the kingdom of God or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If your partner can say, okay, so what you're saying is you don't feel seen and you don't have a role at church because you don't have the priesthood. Is that what you're saying? And then you can say, yeah, or no, or whatever. And first be understood. Then you can give them the opportunity to say, you know, oh, well, when I hear that, it makes me feel this way, da, 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 da. And then you can say, okay, so I'm hearing that you're worried that when I express these things to you, that we're not going to be the same anymore, mm. that our relationship is going to be fundamentally changed forever if we acknowledge that there's a separation yeah. in experiences. Yeah. And then along with that, differentiation is everything. Differentiation <laughs> is everything. Um, we learned about differentiation from Jana Spengler, who mm. is a faith coach. She is incredible. I can't recommend her enough. Yeah, if you, she is queen. Yeah, she's she amazing. <laughs> but um, differentiation is essentially knowing where you end and another person begins and knowing what is yours to own and what someone else is to own. So this might be a tool where that could be helpful in this case. That's like he doesn't have to be responsible for your feelings at church. And he might feel like he does and might not feel like up to that conversation because he wants to fix it. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? But 
if you can learn to differentiate and individuate in your relationship, you don't have to put each other's rocks in your backpack because you're responsible for your feelings and your experience. Yeah. And you're responsible to be authentic to yourself. And same goes for the other person. And then you can hold space for that without feeling like it's such a burden. Mm-hmm. I I keep thinking, I just want to make a quick note of how applicable this is in mixed faith dynamics and just in general in any relationship because mm-hmm. you do need to differentiate in literally any relationship. And I tend to feel burdened, I think, by these type of things that you're talking about. And I know in my mixed faith friendships with you, when you were going through it with a lot of people in my life, I felt this need to solve. Mm -hmm. So when someone was expressing to me, oh, I feel as a woman that I'm not valued as much in the church, my immediate reaction was to defend well, actually I'm a woman in the church and I don't feel that way. And here's why. Mm -hmm. And being able to differentiate and say, even if I have a different experience from you, I can hold that space for you and validate that feeling is such a huge tool. I think it's a really big step in emotional maturity in general. Absolutely. It's really hard, especially around religion because it does feel really personal, right? And Mm -hmm. if you're sharing something that feels hard for you about the church and I'm a faithful believer it's hard not to take that really personally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and I think when we're the same, we feel close. Mm. And when we're not the same, we feel like this chasm has opened up. Mm-hmm. And it's so difficult to break that false dichotomy. Totally. Right? And be different and close. It's just a matter of protecting and identifying what's yours and what's someone else's. And then it's amazing the kind of conversations that you can have because you don't need to take on what the other person is experiencing. You just need to allow them to speak it and validate that you hear it, you know, through active listening, but it doesn't mean you have to change anything for them or totally be anything or do anything for them. And that's hard because you often want that, but it's just a part of like growth yeah, being different than people and still loving them. And totally. Yeah. Coming down in a different place and still figuring out how to tolerate each other. And not just tolerate, but support each other and respect each other. Yeah, I'm thinking a lot about how when many Mormons get married young, which you did. We didn't even touch on that you were a teen bride. (laughs) Yes, 19 years old. (laughs) Maybe an important note. Not that I was not, I mean, I was not far off from that myself, as many of us were. But when you get married young... I think a lot of times your marriages are built even more around sameness Mm -hmm. than when you are maybe a more fully developed adult. Mm -hmm. And especially when you get married in the church, a huge factor in young Mormon marriages are often shared faith. There is this greater connection maybe to sameness of thinking Mm -hmm. our sameness is what made us a good match is what made us compatible Mm -hmm. and I think there's obviously a difference between compatibility and sameness yes and that seems to be what you're touching on learning to handle the fact that you don't have to be the same to still be compatible and Mm -hmm. to still have a good healthy relationship yes 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 I think that's so good such a useful tool so it sounds like for this person who wrote in honestly, just seeking help, right? Where you can go to therapy, where you can, that I'm sure there's courses 
that you can start learning and applying these tools in your marriage because it sounds like those tools are going to be the most useful thing to being able to like open up the conversation and be able to even make it a productive conversation anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read the next question. This is maybe kind of going back to that dark phase you were mm-hmm. mentioning before, but someone asked, did you think your marriage would end over leaving the church? So many times <laughs> I mm-hmm. thought that. Yeah. Well, because you get into particulars, right? That feel marriage ending, that can even feel life ending. Honestly, there were so many times where I felt like this is way too much. I would rather just be scraped off the face of the earth than have to figure this out. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It's just so lonely and really hard and there's so much grief that you feel about your own faith and then there's the grief of your partner or your family or your friends and it is hard to feel like you kicked something off that is causing a lot of suffering for a lot of different people including yourself so it's just it's a lot but I thought a lot of times um and so did Zach that's like do we have Without the church as the main foundation, do we have another foundation? Yeah. And we realized that we did. But I think a key a key ingredient to surviving mixed faith is allowing enough time mm. to let the dust of the crisis settle, you know? Yeah. Because without time, absolutely, we would have ended our marriage. Yeah. Because... It felt too dire, too different, too too heartbreaking. Yeah. And without tools that came with time and time to practice those tools, it might have ended up that way. Yeah. So I think that's like a really, I think it's a valid question yeah. because I think a lot of marriages do end because of a faith transition. And not to say that, oh, if only they had time, they would have been fine. Like maybe other issues were illuminated because of a faith transition that made it feel very much like not worth continuing. Mm -hmm. But thankfully we felt like, oh wow, there's so much more here to be married for with enough time to be able to see it and stop catastrophizing in the way that we had been Yeah, in the early stages. Yeah. I really, really appreciate you sharing that. I think speaking to the true depths of devastation Mm -hmm. that come with a faith transition and I think that that's really magnified by feeling isolated in so many ways but particularly in the closest relationship you have Mm -hmm. which is a marriage and we were speaking about this a little bit last night but you were kind of the first friend of mine who stepped away from the church Mm -hmm. and literally everyone has followed and I don't think the depths of my devastation were as low because I had you, mm-hmm. which is really sweet. <laughs> and I'll cry. Because <laughs> really you me. had to go through that and you didn't have everyone else to like be like, it's going to be okay, I promise. Mm-hmm. And I just really admire you and I'm really grateful you're willing to speak to that so candidly because I really did have so many people around me who kind of led the way and obviously I had my own challenges but I think you kind of 
were the first person and I can only imagine how lonely that felt because you didn't know everybody would follow, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you were doing something really brave, really scary. And I just think that there's a lot of people I know who are listening who feel like you, who didn't have people around them who had also kind of experienced that. And so I'm really glad that you can speak to those people particularly. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. I'm truly clutching my heart. <laughs> um, it feels like the sweetest consolation for how dark and hard it was for me mm. that it could be less dark mm. and less lonely for friends and family yeah. that since went through it. Yeah. Yeah. You've had a lot of people <laughs> follow you on. <laughs> but it seriously has been like such a tender, tender mercy, if you will. <laughs> and like a special honor to be there for people in a way that I just didn't have people there for me, mm-hmm. not to anyone's fault, but just that's no, the way that yeah. things happen. That a was timing. people hadn't been there. Yeah. I think that you did such a phenomenal job as well, which I'm sure you can speak to in your marriage dynamic at not You left the church before a lot of people in your sphere, most people, but you showed a lot of restraint in like proselytizing Mm post-Mormonism, which I also really admire because you learn a lot as you leave the church and you see people around you who maybe don't know all the things that you're learning and experiencing and to be able to have patience and also cultivate acceptance that everyone in your life might stay in the church and you didn't need to change that personally, Mm but then to be there for people when that did happen for them. I would love for you to speak more about how I guess you were able to differentiate in all of those relationships in that way Mm -hmm. and not feel the need to, I don't know, not that there's anything wrong obviously with sharing about what you're learning. And I think you did that in a really good way as well, but I think you were able to not like push and pull people Mm -hmm. in a way that it seems like as a post-Mormon, I've felt that need sometimes. And I know a lot of people around me, yeah, they want to proselytize the Mm -hmm. post-Mormonism and like show people like, wait, this is, this isn't right. This is wrong. Do you know this about history? Do you know this about Mm -hmm. doctrine? That kind of thing. This was one of the first things that Jana said when we um, started seeing her is that when we go on a spiritual journey we want to take everyone with us Mm. and you can't because it's your personal spiritual journey and when you do try and share it with people it feels you're you're disappointed because no one's experiencing what you're experiencing so it can feel like an overshare or sensitive because they're not not going through what you are right so I think it's this is why differentiation is my favorite thing ever mm-hmm. because it's like a tool that you can learn and apply to every single relationship in your life. I am having a real experience that is my own, that is totally valid, and I am comfortable being alone in it. Would I prefer that everyone were with me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I trust myself and I trust that what I'm experiencing is real and that it's mine. Mm-hmm. And Every single person has their own experience and feelings. So forcing someone to experience something before they're ready just doesn't work (laughs) because everyone's just on their own timeline and journey. And and that's not to say that 
everyone will end up leaving the church because that's not it too. It's, it's a temptation for sure to be like, okay, I've had this epiphany about such and such. Let me enlighten you Mm -hmm. all. And it's just really condescending Mm -hmm. if you actually do play that out and try and take everyone on your journey with you. There's this great thing that I heard once. Um, I can't remember what spiritual teacher said it, but you can't take people's curiosity away from them. And so you need to allow people to ask questions that you can then answer. But that's like the whole process of spirituality is having a curiosity and finding answers for it, like reaching out for experiences and different takes. Yeah. So you just get good at waiting for people to be interested in your journey and maybe they never will be, Mm -hmm. but maybe they are. And like our friends, I was able to impart some, some tools or wisdom from like my own journey, but had I offered it when you were still true believing it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have taken hold because you didn't need it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like you said, it just doesn't, it's like the reverse psychology thing. The more, I don't know, I've had many mixed faith friendship dynamics and I have one friend in particular, and I want to tell this story in more detail, probably in a full episode, but you know, the friend I'm speaking of where we were in very different places and it completely ended our friendship. And that was both of our, that was not on one or the other person, but I think it was both of us didn't have the ability to do the things that you're talking about. And it's really unfortunate because we've ended up more in the same place than I think we would have thought at that time. But I think it really speaks to really needing to let people be where they're at. And sometimes that comes with setting like some pretty significant boundaries And even you and I, in our friendship, there were periods of our friendship where it was too tricky for us to talk about church stuff Mm -hmm. because you were out and I was still in and we were able to set those boundaries and kind of navigate that. And now we don't have to have the boundaries around religion because we are pretty similar, Mm -hmm. which is nice, Mm -hmm. but I'm really glad that we could also do that in our friendship in a way that we preserved like those feelings and didn't you know, we ended up in the same place anyway. Sometimes you just have to be able to set the boundaries that need to be in place because Mm -hmm. it's just not going to be useful to share all the things you're thinking and feeling. It's going to be too difficult to manage in Mm -hmm. certain friendship dynamics. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really, really hard when sometimes those conversations can't be avoided or there can't you can't apply time to those things. Yeah. Um, like certain family relationships, like you said with um, that relationship with that friend, that's like time might've helped mm-hmm. and the space for different experiences. But I also think it's an exercise as you were saying that I was just thinking like, if you had to take other people's words for it, word for the church being true or not true, it just feels like an extension of Mormon thinking. Somebody has gotten the answer we have these authorities. This is what they say. So that's it. Mm. So this is what we do. And obviously I know that there's like a component of personal revelation and Mormonism, but I think if someone left the church and you just have to take their word for it, that robs you of the experience of learning to trust your own intuition and to stand in your authenticity and say, 
no, the church does feel true for me right now Mm. and allow that. Mm -hmm. And then also allow yourself to change and say, what's different at a different place and like really tune into yourself instead of a continuation of tuning into what other people are saying yeah, you I need to do. That. I love that so much. I think that's so resonant and just speaks to the self-respect and the self-intuition. And I'm thinking about your relationship with Zach where you could have pulled harder to get him to follow you out, mm-hmm. but you didn't want him to leave because of you. No. You wanted him to do what felt right for him, right? Mm -hmm. Because if he left on just your behalf, that wasn't going to be healthy either. No, like that would be relationship ending. Yeah. If you feel like you have to do something, (laughs) if you're forced into something or coerced. Totally. And it would feel probably burdensome even to you to feel like his whole faith journey was like your fault or like something that I orchestrated. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to ask this next question because I think that maybe leads into it a little bit, but someone asked, did you sense that your spouse would eventually follow you out? And why do you think they did eventually leave the church? No, I did not think that Zach would follow me out. I got to, I hoped like in in those dark, (laughs) in those dark times, how could I not hope Mm -hmm. (laughs) it would have felt like a resolution, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, well, like I said, we were reading similar materials. If you could just interpret this the way that I am, then things would be so easy. That's what's crazy (laughs) is he was engaging. Oh, he was totally engaging. It's almost more frustrating because you're like, how are you reading this and learning this, but choosing to stay? Yeah. And it's like, you have different life experiences that are leading you to different mm-hmm. conclusions and mm-hmm. different interpretations. Yeah. So, of course, at different points, I hoped that he would, but I never thought that he would. Sincerely, I had to get to a place of total radical acceptance that I deserved to have my journey that felt authentic to me, and Zach deserved to have his journey that felt authentic to him. And beyond radical acceptance that he wasn't going to leave the church. I also had to offer him the respect that I wanted Mm -hmm. in my leaving the church in his staying and had to defend him from myself and other people as not brainwashed and as valid Mm -hmm. and as worthy of having his own experience about the church as I was about having mine. And I think that that was essential for us, that if I wanted the respect that I did want in my decision to leave, that I should reciprocate that and offer that to him. And it was hard, absolutely, because we were on different pages, but we got into a rhythm where we could really exercise differentiation and individuating with each other and be okay with where the other landed. Yeah. So I... Planned on being in a mixed faith marriage forever. Crazy. But he then had his own journey. Hallelujah. <laughs> it made things so much easier. But I mean, a... still, we don't relate on so many totally. things. Like we're still in a quote mixed faith marriage, like all of us are. Yeah, good point. But there's much less rub now. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that's such a cool thing that your mixed faithness lasted long enough that you could cultivate that acceptance and that level of respect for his journey because I'm sure that even now that he's left the church 
I can only imagine that that improves your marriage in so many ways because you're still facing that. Every marriage does, like you said, Mm -hmm. whether it's about faith or any difference of opinion and to be able to experience that at like the most extreme level with Mm -hmm. mixed faith and get to that point of acceptance, I can only imagine has served you, will serve you along the rest of your Mm -hmm. marriage. I hope so. Okay. I want to ask this question about church participation. So when you were in a mixed faith marriage, someone asked, how do you balance setting your boundaries around what you will slash will not participate in while also being a supportive partner? That is a hard question to answer because my instinct is to say only you Mm. can figure that out Mm. through trial and error. Probably for me, I couldn't attend church with Zach as a supportive spouse who decided to leave. Mm. It was too inflammatory Mm -hmm. for me. So that was my boundary. But, and you know, for Zach, he had certain boundaries. Like I can't talk about polygamy today. Mm. And then we just would not talk about polygamy that day. So Mm -hmm. we had different, um, different things at different points. I just say you have to tune in to what you feel you have the bandwidth for. And I think it's worth like teasing out what that word support means. Yeah. Because you could be interpreting that in really different ways. And maybe support is offering your partner respect and space. And it doesn't require your physical participation in church activities. I think that's a really good point. I think with what you said about going to church, you could have white knuckled it and gone to church, but was that going to serve you or Zach or your marriage? Mm. Probably not. And I think participating in church activities just to be quote supportive is maybe not as supportive (laughs) as it seems. But to your point, being supportive of like, if you want to go to church on Sunday mornings, I will set out your tie or Mm -hmm. I will make breakfast for both of us before you go seems like a way that you can support without having to compromise what's Mm going to make you feel comfortable and safe. Yeah, because does support mean subverting your own experience, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. And it could look like that if, like you said, you white knuckle experiences that would just be better that you don't do together. Totally. Totally. There's other ways to support. And I love that example that you brought up. That's like, maybe I'll take, I'll have the kids with me so that Mm. you can go and enjoy your spiritual few hours at church. Totally. Yeah, totally. I'm going to read one more question. Okay. This person says, I'm bisexual and post-Mormon. I left the church after we were sealed. Husband won't leave the church, even knowing how much things in the church hurt me and my trust. But he is perfect in 90% of other ways. How do I know whether I should leave? I don't think I can do this forever. You've talked about this a little bit, but I kind of want to get more into what I think this person is touching on, which is this person feels really actively hurt by the church, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm sure you did as well. How do you reconcile that your partner is still supporting or part of something that has hurt you in a very real way? I'm so sorry. That's so hard. Really hard. It's like interesting to try and get back into that headspace Mm. because I don't want to be 
cavalier with like, oh, you just got to <laughs> apply this or that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because at this point, that's not that's not an open wound mm-hmm. like it was for so mm-hmm. long. And like it sounds like it is right now for this person. Mm-hmm. And especially with the sexuality element, I can't personally relate to that as a straight woman. Um, I had other grievances, but that one... <laughs> that's like active it's like actively getting fueled yeah um, totally in a different way by church leadership and doctrine and messaging so I mean I think I think all you can do is share your feelings mm-hmm. and we've talked about this before it's like feelings not facts you can talk about statistics you can talk about you know demographics of the church and how it's so wrong that the church, da 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 da, right? There's mm. a lot of things, but all you can do is communicate your feelings about how church feels to you, what your experience is like at church, yeah, and hope that your partner can take that in. And anytime your partner expresses something, you can try modeling the kind of response that you want, the kind of like acceptance and space that you want to have for yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's really profound. I do. I think that I've been on the other side of being, I guess, the spouse in the situation in mixed faith friendships. And I feel like I was saying to this person, I validate you. I validate your hurt. I can't even imagine. I'm just like not ready to leave quite yet. Mm -hmm. And in some ways I feel shame for that. And I feel shame that that person's like hurt was not enough for me to just like immediately leave. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, and I can get more into that later, but it wasn't. And I would just hope that at least your partner can offer you that, that validation. And then, you know, maybe that's not quite enough yet, but hopefully as you continue Mm -hmm. to share the depth of that hurt, Mm -hmm. that your partner will continue to listen and continue to learn. And I think you answered it kind of right off the bat in a way of saying it maybe will just take some time. Mm-hmm. But it's hard because like you said, you don't want to build a relationship based on hopefully they'll leave because they might not. Right. But I guess I'm saying I think there's a difference between someone choosing to stay um, a member and someone staying a member and defending like the church's LGBTQ stance. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's complicated. There's a lot to that, but... If your partner can offer you, like, this is wrong. However, like, I connect to this doctrine or this truth, and for that reason I stay, that to me seems Mm -hmm. different than Mm -hmm. the full-fledged, like, defensiveness around everything, if that makes sense. Yeah, it has a different energy, Mm -hmm. for sure. And I think, just to come back to this one more time, relationships evolve. Yeah. And people sponge things up and can take in new information with time and things marinate and as you continue to share your heart and your experiences maybe you know maybe the path gets easier yeah because it's really hard to like like they said to do it forever it is but things change and maybe and like you said you don't want to start with that premise that's like oh they're gonna leave the church. Maybe he doesn't, Mm -hmm. but things can change in your relationship Yeah, or in that dynamic where there's space. And like you said, a non-defensiveness and like, it made me feel more sustainable. Yeah. 
as things change yeah in a way that that's yeah I've just found that it always changes Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that like oh everybody's path leads out of the church because I don't think that either Mm -hmm. but things change so so much like all of our friendships have changed with faith transitions Mm -hmm. and I still have friends and family in the church and they're not the same in those beliefs as they were five years ago. They can have nuanced, difficult conversations where they really grapple with impossible church issues and like hang in the mud and the the darkness Mm -hmm. of that in a way that they didn't years ago. You know, I think that's great. And I think that's, I'm glad we're ending with this because I think it really highlights this is incredibly complicated. So hard. And I'm so glad that you are here, that you're talking about it, that you're sharing your experience. And I think you do such a good job of not speaking in absolutes and definitives because unfortunately there is no easy answers and all Mm -hmm. mixed faith marriages and mixed faith dynamics have different outcomes and different journeys But I love that you can share a lot of hope around cultivating a mixed faith marriage that worked for you and hope that things change maybe even more than you can imagine now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a really beautiful message that hopefully people can gather hope from and also just gather a lot of wisdom and tools for regardless of what stage they may be in around mixed faith dynamics. So thank you so much for sharing. Thanks so much for having me. I knew it would be a wonderful conversation, (laughs) but it was even better than I could have hoped. I am just so grateful. I'm going to have you on a million more times, of course. Oh, my dream. (laughs) And I love you so much. Thanks for doing this. I love you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today to this episode with Jacqueline. I think the conversation was fantastic and Jacqueline just has so much relevant advice for literally all of us. I wanted to make a note on the last question that we both answered. Jacqueline and I recorded this episode a couple of days ago, and we have been talking at length about the way that we both responded to that last question, and we both feel strongly and want to make it super clear that to this person or anyone in a similar mixed faith marriage or dynamic, that it is absolutely valid and may sometimes be the best option to remove yourself from that relationship. And we both were worried that we didn't say that explicitly because, of course, we would never want to advocate for staying in any relationship that felt unsustainable for your mental health or where you felt too deeply misunderstood and yeah we didn't feel like we spoke to that the way that we wanted to so I'm making sure to add that note here and again just underscore that if you are in any sort of mixed faith relationship I kind of spoke to the one I was in with my friend where that friend of mine decided to step away from our friendship altogether and I think that's a good example of a relationship where he did not feel seen or understood in a way that made the relationship unsustainable for him. And in retrospect, I really admire him for being brave enough and willing enough to step away, even though it was obviously hard for me at the time. I think this all just shows how incredibly complicated and delicate these 
questions are, this whole topic is. It's been interesting as Jacqueline and I have been talking about this and worrying about this. I've just realized again, and disclaimer, it's 11 p.m. the night before this episode goes live. So I'm feeling a little emotional. I'm feeling a little tired. But I do just want to say these things are hard to talk about. And I feel very inadequate in a lot of ways to speak to the complexity of these subjects in a way that feels fair and feels respectful, but first and foremost feels like it lends validity most especially to the hurt that people feel when they step away from the church and the hurt that people feel the church has done to them. I understand my limitations as a straight woman, as a white woman. I just am really sensitive to the fact that I don't want it ever to appear like I have all the answers on these subjects. I just feel very passionately that because these topics can feel scary, because they can feel delicate, I know that they can be shied away from publicly and in personal spheres, and I so badly am trying to push beyond that fear and get these conversations out into the world, and I just hope and pray, I wanted to say, but I I hope that they are helpful, that they're finding the people who feel alone and that are still healing and that just will benefit from these conversations. So if you are here and listening, thanks for bearing with me as I figure this out and as I sift through some of these emotions this evening. And again, I hope that whoever you are, you feel validated and you know that if you stay true to yourself, that whatever you do, I I really do think it will ultimately be the right thing. Now I sound like I'm bearing my testimony. Uh, In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I hope you all have a wonderful day and thanks again for tuning in. Cannot wait to talk to you all next week. Maybe we'll get a little more lighthearted, maybe not. Hopefully my voice will sound less like a prepubescent teen. No promises. Talk soon. Bye, everyone. G.I.